This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. According to Matthew. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into Praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. The true gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord, the word, the light. Okay, be seated, please. Okay, I say good afternoon to you. I apologize about the delay. Karam and his brother Farak, Farak grew up as Christians in Pakistan. They were raised in a comfortable Christian home and taught to be good businessmen. They both wanted to be engineers and got a good education, though they were in the minority as Christians in a majority Muslim country. There was peace and harmony among Christians and Muslims. But then fundamentalist Muslims took over the Pakistan, took over Pakistan in the 70s after the Russian invasion of the Middle East, and the majority Muslim rule turned from peaceful and harmonious to militant and extreme. Farouk and Kuram fled to Saudi Arabia to work for an American oil company. They were, allowed, they were allowed to live openly as Christians in Saudi Arabia as long as they did not do one thing. What was that one thing? They must not share their beliefs with anyone. Now, what would you do if you were put in a situation in which sharing your faith in Christ was restricted. This Lent, we are taking a journey through many foreign lands by listening to stories of people from all, over, all, the, from all nations. We've heard gripping stories of harrowing voyages across the seas, and we'll hear other stories about refugees fleeing for their lives. The stories may start in Pakistan, or Germany, Japan, or Mexico, but they end in places like Detroit, St. Louis, Bakersfield, California, and Queens, New York. Each of these stories points us to people from all nations who live in our very own neighborhoods, who go to school with our kids, who share neighboring cubicles with us at work. People like Farouk and Karam have moved into our communities all around us. And the question is, what will we as Christians do about this? In this sermon series, we've set aside immigration law and all the complicated and messy politics of the situation. And instead, we're turning our attention to the New Testament, which has a lot to say to us, to us about people from all nations and what the gospel means for them and for us. And by looking at people from, of all nations in the New Testament, we're better equipped to live with and love, and love in Jesus' name, our neighbors from all nations. Especially during Lent, we are called once again to deny ourselves Instead, carry our cross, walking with our Lord Jesus. Jesus once said, said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
But what exactly does that mean? To take up one's cross. Some people, because of this call of Jesus, decide to give up chocolate or coffee or alcohol or, or dessert. Others decide to fast from meat or perhaps from all food for one day a week during Lent. These kind of fastings, these kind of fasting, whether from food or chocolate or whatever else fine things you do, uh, but bearing our cross as followers of Christ goes far deeper than this. I, that didn't really make any sense in it. That kind of fasting is great, but bearing our cross is much deeper. Sometimes bearing one's cross as a follower of Jesus means putting up with the challenges that come from being a spouse or a parent or an employee. Rather than complaining or quitting or seeking an easier road of life so that we can just be happy, our Lord's call is to bear our cross. In other words, He calls us to endure suffering and challenges that come with our stations in life. Sometimes carrying our cross is about our Lord's call not only to live as Christians, but also to share our hope in Christ with other people. If your classmates at school or your boss at work or your neighbor down the street finds out that you're a Christian and they don't like Christians or have a jaded view of Christians sharing their faith with, it, with other people, they may make your life challenging. Maybe because you're a follower of Jesus, you get made fun of or you don't get that promotion or you get shunned from the neighborhood block party. Perhaps during this sermon series, you've begun to realize that you have a responsibility to your neighbor of another ethnicity or nationality. Maybe it would be countercultural for you to reach out to the immigrant family next door or to offer support to the Christian congregation down the street that is clearly made up of people unlike you. What do you do in situations like these? What do we do as Christians? Will we run from the cross and chase after happiness and an easy life without suffering or challenge? Or will we bear our cross, our Lord's cross, by boldly sharing our faith in word and deed with our neighbor? Lent is a season that calls us to return again to Jesus' call for us to follow Him and carry His cross. Sharing our faith with someone else can be a cross to bear. It's a good thing that Lent comes every year because we need this repeated call to return to the Lord and to carry that cross once again. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' first disciples and end up looking a lot like us. They also needed repeated calls to carry the cross. <clears throat> there are lots of times where Jesus' disciples com completely, completely lost sense of what it meant to follow Jesus. This call to carry one's cross was often connected to the calling to share the message of the coming of, king of the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls his disciples to go to the lost sheep of Israel to tell them that the kingdom of God is near. As he is teaching them about, calling, about the, this calling, Jesus says, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And yet, when the Pharisees are offended at Jesus' words, the disciples forget all about carrying the cross of Jesus. They forgot that Jesus had predicted that crosses would come for those who share the good news of the kingdom of God with other people. A few chapters later in Matthew 16, Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet, Peter forgets about what Jesus had said earlier. Peter forgot about Jesus' words about carrying the cross. When Jesus, re Jesus reiterated that uh, he was going to Jerusalem and would be killed and raised, Peter said, no way, this will never happen. And so our Lord scolds and then once again lovingly instructs Peter and the other disciples that following him, following him meant that, we, they, meant that they would have to take up their cross and follow him. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are once again in Lent. We have walked the road to Golgotha with our Lord, with our Lord time and time again. We have heard Jesus' call to take up our own cross and follow Him in numerous sermons and Bible studies and even perhaps in our own personal Bible reading. This sermon is not the first time that you've heard the call to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And yet, like Peter and the other disciples, how quickly and easily we forget that being a baptized Christian and following after Jesus will mean denying ourselves and picking up our cross. We can probably all think of numerous times when we were called to share our faith with a friend or a classmate or a neighbor or a co-worker or family member 
and we didn't. We chose the easier way, the cross-free way, and weaseled out of sharing our faith. As the Gospel of Matthew brings us, uh, as readers to his depiction of the actual crucifixion, we hear about the most unlikely person to carry Jesus' cross. After Jesus had been tried and tortured, it was time for Jesus to carry his cross to Golgotha. This would have been the time for Jesus' disciples to rally around him, to stand strong with him, and to demand that, uh, that they would all be crucified along with their Lord and teacher. And yet, the disciples are nowhere to be found. We know what happened to Judas, the betrayer. He certainly had refused Jesus' cross. By this point, Peter had betrayed Jesus. The other disciples had fled. When the time came, only a little-known little man from Cyrene, a coastal town of North Africa, was there and carried Jesus' cross for the briefest of moments. But Jesus was finally crucified on Golgotha with no disciples at his side. It really was true what Jesus had said. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Though Jesus welcomed his disciples to carry their crosses and follow him, he alone would die for his people. The king of God's kingdom carried his own cross for the many he would welcome to be his people. And you are some of those people. Though time and time again you have forgotten or failed to carry your cross, your Lord took up his cross and was crucified for you. He died so that you might live. He ransomed you. He purchased you and won you from all sins, from death, from the power of the devil. And he didn't do this with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. And he did all this so that you could be his own, so that you might live under him in his kingdom. Time and time again, the Holy Spirit has called you by this gospel to return to this to return to this gospel. And he calls you to return once again today. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Return to uh, Christ's cross. Return to carrying Christ's cross. I want to consider with you uh, a little more deeply the man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. He was perhaps the least likely person to carry Jesus' cross. And yet, perhaps when it mattered most, Simon was the only person who did what Jesus said to do. Matthew specifically wants us to know that the Simon who carried Jesus' cross was not just any Simon. He was Simon from Cyrene. In the Greek, it actually, uh, actually, more, actually more like Simon the Cyrenian. Cyrenian describes Simon's hometown, but more than that, it, it represents the people to whom Simon belonged. The odd thing about Cyrene is that it seems to be a, a mashup of Jewish, Greek, and Roman influence. Simon seems to be the kind of person Jesus has in mind when, it, when at the end of Matthew's Gospel he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Simon was an all-nations man. Maybe he was a Jew, maybe he was a Greek, or maybe a Roman. Though such national diversity may have been troubling to the purest of Pharisees who were deemed carrying the cross an unclean act, Simon depicts well the model disciple who carries the cross and follows his Lord. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Farouk and Quran did. They took up their crosses and they became missionaries. But how they became missionaries is perhaps the most important, interesting part. While they were living in Saudi Arabia, it was Lutherans who brought them the particularly clear good news of the gospel, of salvation by grace through faith alone. One layman even smuggled a copy of Luther's small catechism into Saudi Arabia to teach these brothers about, all the, about the good news of Jesus. That act of taking the small catechism and crossing cultural boundaries so that cons uh, could hear about Jesus was a, was a carrying of the cross. Because of this bold act and many others, these Pakistani brothers were strengthened in their faith in Jesus and decided they wanted to devote their living to becoming missionaries. They moved to Canada and then to the United States where they could start people of the book, people of the book Lutheran Outreach. 
And today, many, many Muslims have become Christians because of the witness of Farouk and Quran Khan. The gospel caused people of all nations, even the most unlikely of people like Pakistani, Pakistanis in Saudi Arabia, to pick up their crosses and to follow the call of Christ to share the gospel with all nations. During this season, we will continue to hear more stories of missionaries who have come from all over the world, some with the most unlikely of stories, to share Jesus with us and who help us daily to bear our crosses, even as we fix our eyes on Lord Jesus who died upon his cross that we might live forever. Amen. It is time for everybody's favorite part of the service. That's right, the announcements. Which one of y'all want to try it today? Anybody? Do I have the balls to do it? Got it. You, know, you can't make a difference. We are a all-volunteer church. Everybody here is a volunteer. Nobody takes a salary, not even myself. We keep our doors open through the tithes of our congregation and from um, generous donations from people out there in YouTube land and, and Podcastville. And we need your help again. It's cost a lot of money to run a church, believe it or not. I know it doesn't seem like we're doing much, but it costs electricity, it costs equipment. I mean, everything just adds up, and we really could use your help. Please consider making a donation to Dallas Universal Life Church. Simply go to DallasULC.com. Click on the link there for uh, donate. It also says tithe on it. So that's if you, you want to tithe it, you want to tithe your credit card or do it when you're not here or whatever, that's a good place to do that. Go to a secured site, and it will um, you know, allow you to make your donations there. We are a 501c3 organization, which means we are all of your donations are tax-deductible. So tax season's coming up, folks. It's a good time to make your donation, all right? Now, it doesn't fail. never fails. Every time I talk about this, I somebody says, you know, Bishop, I, I love the church. I do. I really want to help, but I don't have any money. I'm broke. And I tell them, well, guess what? Join the club. I'm broke, too. So you got to do what I do. you got to volunteer. Volunteering is a great way for you to, to meet your tithing um, uh, requirement. And we are required to donate 10% of your earnings to the church. So if you can't do that, if you don't have any money, it's a good way to time is money, right? Come in and work and do some, do some volunteer work for us. Simply go to DallasULC.com and click on volunteer. There you'll find a list of the positions we have available for volunteers. If you don't like something there, please come in anyway. There's not enough hours in the day for us to get anything done, everything, everything done. And there's always something left undone. We could always use more help. I'll find something for you to do. Trust me. Okay. Thank you. Okay, you. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, complaints. Very simple, folks. You got one of those, you need one of these. That's an email address, feedback at DallasULC.com. I think that pretty much explains it. Pray at DallasULC.com. Pray at DallasULC.com. You have a request for prayer? That's another email address for you. Just simply email us, pray at DallasULC.com. Sorry, I hit the button again. Ignore that. Um, uh, you remain anonymous or give us your name. We pray every day here at Dallas Rooms Life Church. You can ask your prayers to be said during our daily prayers or be said during our prayers and intercession on Sunday. Let's pray at DallasULC.com. Okay, that's what we just saw. Thank you. Did you know we had two podcasts? We two podcasts? Two podcasts. Can you believe it? Wow. Of course, you all know about your path with Bishop Martin. It's been around for, it's in its sixth season now. Six years we've been going with that. Can't believe that. Spotify just, uh, as you know, we, we were with Anchor. Just to give you a little story on this, we were with Anchor, uh, who hosts our our, uh, our podcast. Spotify bought them out, okay? Recently, Spotify basically is saying, no more things, Anchor is now called Spotify for podcasts. And they've added a bunch of neat stuff for us. So we're, we're trying to, we've seen some new um, demographics and things like that maybe we can work with, and some more, um, just really some neat stuff, some marketing tools and things like that. Plus, they're putting this on Spotify. I mean, heck, that's a great place to be. You know? I, I, every time I see it on Spotify, I see my picture, and they're like, that's really weird. Anyway, check out our podcast. If you go to see your path with Mark, which is our services here, it's, our, it's the gospel and the, the, um, the sermon, and our announcements around is the roundtable. We do that every week. 
you have to go to your favorite browser and type in your path with Fisher Mark. Or you go to uh, Alexa or uh, um, any other name you call your, your Alexa device, which we call it Echo here. You say, hey, Echo, play your path. Welcome back to your path with Fisher Mark. And that's how we play Fisher Mark. Hey, Echo, Echo, stop. That's simple. I, I apologize. I, I broke some ribs. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch my breath and speak to you all. And plus, I've already, I was already hoarse from last week. So please excuse me. I'm, I'm trying to go and get this done. Just bear with me, okay? Okay. Now, our second podcast. It's, it's a fairly new one that we came out with. It's called Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. And that's exactly what it is, Life Lessons. Except I call it our TikTok podcast because it's very short. It's like two to five minutes each. You have your short attention span. This one's for you, folks. Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. Do the same thing here. You show your favorite browser. Type in Life, in, Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. And you can chat, find our, our, uh, our uh, podcast there, or just go to one of your, your favorite podcasting apps on your phone, and I guarantee you'll find us there, both of these there, okay? All right. Boy, it's slow. Come on. Here we go. All of you. I've started putting together the video, and um, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So I, I hope. Uh, uh, no, Gavin, your stuff, your stuff is feeding in perfectly. In fact, somebody saw your service the other day, saw you, your interview the other day, and said, "Wow, he was really on 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 the money that day." So don't judge yourself like that. You did just fine. I didn't you really didn't. Because what you said is feeding into to the whole thing very, very nicely. You'll see. You'll see. Trust me, guys. It, it came out good. It's going to be. It's going to be really good. This might be. The, this might be the best one yet. Seven years of everything. Might be the best one yet. Okay. But thank you for y'all. Without y'all doing this, I couldn't have done this. And I wanted to do this two years ago, but COVID happened. So, we didn't have a a, a movie on our fifth year. Our sixth year, we did move back to the basics. So I want to teach you, know, let's get back to it. Let's get some people in here again. Go back to the foundations of our faith with the uh, Holy Week um, movie. Now it's about y'all and about the church and about us rising from the ashes. Okay. Don't forget, Sunday, May 28th. Put it on your calendar now, folks. You don't want to miss that day. May 28th, 2023 at 3 p.m. is our seventh year anniversary. Okay. Be here for that. It's going to be, there'll be a reception afterwards and everything. So seven years. Three gray hair to prove it, too. Again, our series that we're doing this year this year for Lent called Lent for All Nations continues next week at 3 p.m. Please be here. I think they're getting better. I think I think each week it's, it's kind of building up to something, and we know what that is. But I think I like the way it's going. I hope you all do, too. So next Sunday, I hope you all are getting no, I'm not doing that yet. Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's right. Rise for dismissal. on heaven's door you're listening to your path with bishop mark from dallas universal life church in dallas texas so today we continue our series about lit for all nations right what y'all think of today's sermon i was, I was gonna say i like so nice the, the comparing the uh, Baruch and his other smuggling the the book or what has it they, 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 
same as carrying the cross. You know. Interesting, isn't it? Like because that. there's a lot of things we, we don't think about every day as being just carrying the cross. Just just sharing our faith is carrying the cross. It's just part of what we have to do. It's not always easy. You know, and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying you have to be a Bible thumper. You don't. Just share your experience. Share your life. Share what the church has done for you. And I guarantee you, you're going to get to people who are interested. Okay? I think it comes with the results. You took prayer out of, out of schools and what happened. Then, not doing any comparison, but they took the Pledge of Allegiance out. I don't understand that either. When, when all of that came out, you watched a lot of diversity start happening within the churches. Then, whenever they took the Pledge of Allegiance out, you watched people's uh, dedication to their country fade away. Or will go the wrong way. Or go the wrong way, yeah. And, and, and the same with prayer. I mean, children came up that way and they had a direction. And then when you removed it, they went up quiet. You got the result. Here's my opinion on that. Was the beginning. I'm going to share it with you. I agree with you. I think that is definitely a factor. Look, don't make prayer mandatory. You don't have to be mandatory. You don't have to pray. Okay? In school, you shouldn't have to pray. Okay? But make it an option. Don't make it illegal. Right. That's what they've done now. They made it illegal to pray in school. That's what they've done. Yeah. Okay? Make it a, if you get caught praying during school time, you could you could be suspended. Oh yes. wow. I didn't know that. And I'm not talking about just Christian church. There's other Muslims. There's others that would pray at you know, at their times where let them pray. Allow them to do so. Don't tell them they can't. I think it's a little right though, right? You know, because schools are considered a government property. Right, they're in their minds. Well, I mean, so is the Bill of Rights. And minors don't have government property. Minors don't have many of them. It's like the White House. You can pray in the White House. Well, I don't know, because that comes with certain situations. You can pray in the White House, but you can't pray over people or to... In other words, the president couldn't sit in the Oval Office and pray to people. So freedom of religion is just like, where is that actually... Wow, what is it supposed to be? That's a religion. That separate all that. So the, so the religion cannot cannot uh, influence the government because in England, in England, the government and the and the church are the same basically because she is and he or she, the king or queen, is head of both. So basically, it would be as freedom of. So they're not. It's not their, it's not everybody's religious freedom. Not really. Nobody can have religious freedom. Not really. In this country. It's because it, 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 I think the one that called most attention to it was Queen Elizabeth I. It's because they told her you will get married because that's an order of the church. You have to get married. It's not a choice. You must get married. She said, okay, you said married. You didn't say to the person, I want to marry my country. Yeah. And so she was allowed to do that, and the church hesitantly allowed her to do that with their blessing because she was literally married. She becomes celibate, supposedly, uh, and was literally married to her country. She deformed her entire unique. That was the, well, she wasn't always married to her country. Let's just put it that way. She she had. When she married her country, I truly believe that she became a very unique individual and probably really was celibate because I don't think anybody would want anything to do with her after she deranged her look. I mean, our, our country is a bit two-faced when it comes to this. I mean, here we are with our dollar bills, our twenty dollar bills, and our dollar bills, and our and God we trust right there. Yet we go and pull the Ten Commandments off of our public buildings. Okay, we say that we can't have God in our lives, in our public lives, right? That, that doesn't make sense to me. It's either one or the other. It's either all or nothing. You can't have it both ways. So, either take in God we trust off for our money, or leave it there and leave us alone as our religion goes. That was the idea of the boundaries of this country. Not to stifle religion, stifle prayer, so stifle freedom people's of freedom, but to encourage it and protect it. That was the idea of the, 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 the building this, this country. Exactly. Freedom so of religion. We have, we've taken that and we've screwed it up again. We took something that was a good idea and went the wrong way with it. Which happens all the time in politics. The way this country is now, it's like this, so divided. 
what you think about something. There's no, there's another no, like, saying in the Bible that talks about when two, uh, how two uh, members of the household are at war, nobody wins. Right? Or the roses. It's something like that, right? And then how it goes, and nobody does. So think about this. Here we are, a country, defending ourselves. We're one of the number one, one of the best countries in the world, right? Defending ourselves from other countries, right? Being trying to be unto our might and whatnot. Yet we're destroying ourselves from the inside, killing ourselves, fighting against ourselves. It's like a civil war every day. Our republic does not work. It doesn't work. We can't continue to go four years forward, two years back. Four years forward, two years back. It doesn't work. The two-party system does not work. We are not a democracy, folks. This is a republic. Now, I was in school, I was taught we were a democracy. It's what it said in our books. We all were. Do you know exactly. what? We're not. We are a republic. For the republic for which it stands. Okay. And it also says one nation under, under God. God. That's right. I don't understand why they took the other things. It's the only reason I think they, they took it out. Take that out. <clears throat> That's interesting. That's still there. And then on well, top of that, you look at, look at the little National piece. anthem. Yeah, exactly. Well, then you take the little things that people do in their daily lives. I actually seen somebody get extremely agitated on a public bus, because you know that's all new to me, on a public bus because a woman was praying aloud. She was so irritated, she kept telling her to stop it. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear what you have to say. She wants to say that she wants to. Okay, exactly. But then in that same breath, the man sitting next to her sneezed and she said, God bless you. Is that not a prayer? We do it out of repetition. Christians. Yeah. And it all started with John F. Kennedy. The big deal about John F. Kennedy becoming president is that he was Catholic. You cannot have... If you look at it, what's the most powerful country uh, in the world? It's Rome. Well, because you have in some ways. You have uh, well, it's actually Vatican, Vatican, Vatican City. But in Vatican some City within itself rules the world in some because ways. they have more power. That's why they had to separate church and state. Because if you had the influence of the Vatican, like they do, like they do in England. Yeah, if you had the influence, that's why England has remained so powerful for so long, and they're one of the smallest countries on earth. They're not big. They're spread out because they remain other countries. But as far as England within itself, it's an isle. It's the little bitty. I mean, it's just, just nothing to it. But how did they remain so strong? Because they had the backing of Catholic Church. Well, Nobody's going to go against God. Well, originally they did that. They did that out of the Christian Wars, and look what happened. And I didn't understand that either. But uh, you know, going to war in the name of God, I don't. Uh, well, we had the Crusades. You know, we talk about those. You know, and in, in my opinion, that's one of those blemishes on our history as Christians. It is. We know how important it is to be Christian. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you don't say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that you're going to hell. No. He doesn't say that. How do you live your life? You can be following his footsteps and never say his word, never say his name. You think God's going to send you to hell? Come on. Look, when things don't make sense, when things don't make sense, they're probably not true. Think about it. God gave you a brain for a reason. Right? Why do we keep blindly following what people tell us is supposed to be the truth? Why can't we figure that out for ourselves? I thought that was the whole purpose of the Bible being in interpretation as an individual. It I was is. always told to read the Bible, and if I disagree with you, that's okay, because that's how I interpreted the Bible. Well, yes, we, to a we point. all see things differently. To a point, yes. You know, and it, you then you have to realize, even with you, yeah, you have a, a hierarchy of an education. Yeah. The word of mouth changes everything. Language and, 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 well, changes yeah, everything. Just the you can translation take, alone changes everything. Yeah, you go from Aramaic to to yeah. Arabic. 
Just Jeremy that Green. slight change, and it completely changes the bottle. Well, not completely. It does. No, it does. And then you have then you have other factors in it, like you know, we've got human beings writing this down. Most people didn't write back then. You understand that, right? There were scribes that weren't taught to write. Okay. Now, if I'm the bishop of a, a powerful bishop of a, of a region, and I, one of my scribes is translating the Bible for me, I go and look at it. No, 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 no. I, I don't see it that way. I, I think you ought to write it this way. This is what it really means. What do you think that scribe's going to do? Is he going to say, no, your, no, your majesty, your, 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 your honor, your grace. No, I'm not, I can't do that. It says, what it says. He gets his head cut off. <coughs> or is he going to change it because the bishop said so? Well, how many books in the Bible are, are missing? They, they tell, and, no, they tell the exact same story. Peter, Paul, Luke, and... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all, it's the same story, but, but they all tell it different. A different point of view. That's where you have to look at things. The Bible is a kaleidoscope. Of, of, of every verse is a kaleidoscope of answers. Okay, it doesn't mean that any one of those answers, those facets on that, on that, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, 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 the crystals that the prism. Sorry, the, 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 you get the prism. You get the beautiful rainbows coming out. Just one of those doesn't mean it's wrong. It's interpreted that way. It just means it's a different point of view. Of course, it's within reason, folks. I mean, come on, use your brain. Well, you have to realize uh, those four individuals are not always in the same place at the same time. Those, and those four individuals time, didn't write those either. No. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is, is the point the point of view coming from was not. It wasn't all them sitting here no. and looking there no. and telling totally it, different it stories. It was. It was. You had that an individual here going there. It's just like. A, the debate between yeah, John the Baptist and Jesus. Who should have been the Son of God? Oh, come on. People, well, it's now me and you both know it has been raised. It's been raised question. Now, me and you both know that he knew because it was his job to direct Jesus where he was supposed to go. That's what he did. Exactly what he did. But people, oh no, that's not true. John the Baptist was a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. To New Testament. And, and that was his job. That was his job. And even Jesus raised that question with John the Baptist. So, Thank you. So a lot of people don't know that. And he was like, he felt like he wasn't worthy to be baptized by John the Baptist. Why? No, no, no. You know, the way around. Well, yeah, the other way around. John the Baptist was not worthy, worthy to baptize Jesus. He goes, I usually be baptizing me, he said. Yes, and it just don't... If, if you don't... There's a whole lot to the Bible that's hard fact. Yes, this is the way it is. Then you have a lot of additives, parables. They're stories there to teach you what, how to live your life. Okay, it's that simple, folks. Word of mouth was the way things got around back then. That's how people were told. That's how history has been passed down from generation to generation. Word of mouth, the stories that they told. So I think it's so important that we. I tell y'all again and again. Lit. Listen to your elderly. Listen to the people who've been here a while and been through it. Hear their stories. You, yeah. you may think it's a bunch of gibberish. Yeah. And some of it might be. But there's, but there's something in there you're going to need. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. Listen. You know, in, in, in Middle East, or in, in the Far East, they revere their elderly. elderly. They, they basically, I mean, they, because they've been through it, they have so much information they can give us. Mm -hmm. What do we do? We lock them in nursing homes. We throw them away. We throw them away because they're not useful to us anymore. Guess what? They're probably those useful people in our country. And there's also the fact that, like, they don't, they, they listen to their elderly, yes, and they, they, they pray because they also listen back to them. You know, you got you have to be a working, agree. A working agree. flow of like you know sitting in the community. Again, the only reason why you would respect your elderly is if they listen to you too. But again, odds. Again, well, again, it's just like in America, we we just press and press on education, education, education. Whereas when you get to the Middle East and Europe, they go by wisdom. Yes. If you haven't walked a million miles and you can't tell somebody how to do something, it can't come from a book. Well, I mean, but if they exactly. walk a million miles, oh, they walk the same miles you did. won't get the same respect. No, but what it is, so you can well, from each other. I think we're talking about like a family unit. So, like my, my grandmother, my though, she would sit and she would tell me stories, but then she would walk me through the vineyard. What's the word in Arabic? Yeah, city. Yeah. 
I mean, I, 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 and I know, and that's really. Yeah. Okay, you can you can have an older person that's lived a relatively sheltered life that's not really yeah. been through much, look, look, and then you can have a younger person that's been through a whole lot. Everything with a yeah. grain of salt. Everything with a grain of salt, and take it wounded. You have a brain. Discern mm -hmm. what it is. Use it. Like, it's that simple. It's like you know, everybody's walked different miles, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's had those different steps. Yeah, I'm just saying, take each other's steps right. and put them together. And what I do, I think I, I got a, a really good, I got a good one for you. Whenever I got ready to go to college, everybody wanted me to be a physician. I was smart enough. I could have done it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to dedicate my life to my career. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, but I didn't know what. At that time, there were no male nurses. That was just not heard of. Yes, mm -hmm. at all. So my mother had a, a patient that was a nurse in the Roaring Twenties. Oh. Her daughter-in-law was one of my professors. She said, maybe you need to go speak to Miss Grundy and ask her why it would be so important for you to be a nurse. And I'm like, look. I'm already stuck out with arched eyebrows and big hair. <laughs> now you want me to try to take on a woman's profession when there are none <laughs> and put me that much more into the spotlight? Well, go talk to her and see. So I went and I talked to her and she asked me, why, why do you want to be a nurse? Why do you want to be in healthcare? Let me put it to you that way. Why can't you go be an architect? Or why can't you... Why don't you what directed you that way? I said, it's not really something I thought about. It's just something I know I'm supposed to do. She said, exactly. It's called a calling. It's no different than a priesthood. It's no different than anything else. Everybody has one. Everybody has a calling. And then when she told me, you know what? In the crash of the 20s, I had a job. I went to work every single day and I watched my friends have their homes taken from them. <laughs> I had a job. So you know what I did with my excess money? Because I had it. I bought their houses and put them back in them. I went, oh, you did what? She said families went back to their two and three bedroom homes because I had the excess money because people are always going to be sick. No matter what, you're going to have a job. Job security number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, times are changing. And, and and went on to explain to me about women's place in healthcare. Then you have to remember that the very first nurse was a whore. She went out on the battlefield and screwed her patients. That's what she did. If they were dying and that's what they wanted to do, Florence Nightingale did them. Florence Nightingale. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now you have to learn all this because it's history. I need to know this kind of stuff. But she said, time and the healthcare profession is evolutionary. It's con continuously changing. And with more advancements, people get becoming larger. And yes, I hate it for you. Women can't lift on those three whole people. And I'm like, huh? She said, you'll see. And believe me, I did. You got a 600 pound patient, guess what? Those five little male nurses that were in yeah, the entire hospital, right. your behind was right up there being what we, they used to call us mules. That's yeah. what, even though I had the same education they did, I didn't do direct patient care. I hauled people around. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Or lifted them from beds to chairs or beds to beds or, or whatever. What orderly would do today. Yeah, what an orderly would do today. Because mm -hmm. see, back then there was candy strippers and nurses aides. There were no orderlies. Mm -hmm. And if it was an orderly, they were strong arms, and they were usually kept like near the morgue. Someone's gonna steal a body. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they do. Uh -huh. uh, or at the front of the hospital, in case there's any type of chaos between a patient and a staff member or a family member, they would get in between. In fact, you see it in rendition on movies all the time. When do you see an orderly called? When there's chaos. Any other time it's a candy shop or a nurse, I'd look at your movies. They mm. interpret it so well, because that's actually the way that it is. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, it's all up to you. I, people ask, you know, why why did you want to entertain? Mm. My whole point of the thing is, is to make people's overall well-being. Mark, for instance, always in the entertainment field. Oh, why? When Mark's what? face hit that screen, everybody went, oh. Where's he at? Where's he at? It made people happy. Mm -hmm. 
when you get off of work and you go watch a drag show, what does that do? It makes you happy. You're not thinking about the next door or the bad day you had at work all week. It's gone. You, here you have this silly boy dressed like a girl. What else? How much better can it get than this? It made people happy. So happiness is, is a medication within itself. So it's it. people's well-being. Mark's choice. He went from several different entities of entertainment to still taking care of people. He hasn't changed his calling. His calling was always the same. I learned a few things. We, we all had to grow up, you know. I, I flipped mine. I got my nursing degree very young and didn't become an entertainer until after I got my education. But the two worked hand in hand. Now, a lot of people don't see that, whereas I talk to Mark and Mark's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a person with that same calling, they're going to understand. It's just like with you. Numbers, people. Prime example. I do not understand them, but I'm attracted to them like a magnet. Can do it. They drive me insane. My my <clears throat> husband that just died. Numbers oh, person. Numbers. Yeah, Everything is numbers. If you'll sit down, I'll show you how numbers rule the world. No. <laughs> you know, and we're getting mad at me because I couldn't like uh, there's nursing chemistry and then there's chemistry. I could not. Even though it's the same, because I was dealing with medications and dosages, it still flips over to basic chemistry. It's it, but I couldn't I couldn't see it. I'm like, no 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 no. <laughs> this formula says, and he's like, Adrian, it's exactly the same thing. Are you? Why can't you see that? I'm not a numbers person. I don't see that. I just don't. Balance in the checkbook. Not my thing. You know, when he's got a spreadsheet and does it by itself. It's amazing how you're attracted to people, and I bet you're good with numbers. Uh huh. Yes. Mark? Let me tell you something. Here's the point we're trying to make. Let's get back to you two sat right next to each other during service today. I guarantee that I asked you both to write a synopsis of what happened in today's service. It would be totally different. Not just different, totally different. Because it's subjective, it's what you're saying. Just like the Bible is written by people, it's subjective a lot of times, okay? It's their opinions in there, it's their, what they saw, what they chose to see, what they chose not to put down. All those things matter. If you want to know the answer, and you're not getting it from the Bible, Ask him. Just ask him. Yeah. How many of you, this is the time we're doing this. How many of you take 10, time, 10 minutes a day to pray? And, and really quiet and let everything go. It's almost a meditation. You're letting everything kind of flow out of your body and shut everything off. That's <laughs> quiet. Make it open and listen. How many of you are doing it? Yes, I can't say every day, but I have that. Two minutes. Please do it. We have a couple more weeks in the minute. We're only two weeks away from from uh, from on Sunday, y'all. Yeah, I know. It's, it's almost here. Hell week. I mean, a uh, holy week. Ah! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Are we doing bomb? We, we do call it hell week. Yeah, in my profession, we call it hell week, obviously, because it's it's hell. It is. It's a rough week for a free clergyman. It is for a clergy person. It is. But look, it's coming up. Yeah. So we got two weeks left. So make the best of it. Take look. I'm asking for ten minutes a day. That's nothing. Ten minutes a day, I don't care who you are. Get someplace away from people. Someplace you can just you can zone out. We all zone out. You all done that kind of you know that look that's what you want. Just not you're not seeing anything in front of you, you're not hearing anything around you, and your mind is not going ninety to nothing. And then just shut up. Just shut up and listen. Quiet! Oh be quiet. Open yourself up. It's very vulnerable time to do that. Make yourself, you're opening everything up about you and sitting there waiting for something to come. And I guarantee you, if you continue to do this, continue to practice, continue to work on, quiet, that's the hardest part, is quieting your mind. Quieting your mind, opening up, it will come. The answers will come. You will hear His voice. I promise you. And it will change your life. And you may have already, uh, me and Mark was going over this when we were having our little talk. <laughs> I was going through stuff where at my new apartment, 
and I kept seeing things that typically, I, I live a very chaotic life, I always have. I, I don't have time to see detail. So all of a sudden this creek really became something. I had to discuss it with Mark. I said, all this time, he's been talking that I just couldn't hear. It wasn't that I wasn't trying to listen, I just couldn't hear. It's kind of like, that's where I was going with the mathematical thing. Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't try, I just can't hear. I don't get it. And until you can calm your mind and open yourself up to it, Luckily for me, I had somebody that I could discuss it with that just so happens what he's... Because I still wasn't getting it until Mark showed me the uh, the video he's doing. Yeah. And how it was all working, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, Mark. You know what? <laughs> it's like this bell goes off, and he just kind of looks at me like, oh, here we go. And I'm like, look at this. Da -da 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 -da. And I told him what had been happening, because... I was fortunate enough to have somebody that I could share that would go, uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> you can't hear if you don't listen. I mean, uh, that's the whole point behind, I think, uh, Bart Simpson and the wah-wah-wah. Oh, no. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Brown. Wah-wah-wah. The, how's the teachers talk? Wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. He, he hears her, but he don't get it. <laughs> And, and I think every Long I think ever. that comes with age. Well, for me, it came with age. Silent. See, all you hear is wah 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 wah. We've all heard that. We've all heard. Probably God was one of those people trying to talk to you and you went wah 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 wah. Right. Nothing. Yeah. Right. But He'll even show you. He has something to say to all of us. That's like you tell me as a Christian. I've never seen it that bad. But I said for when I got one of his carriage and I looked It even got Dawn. What are we doing? Dawn goes on my patio and has bars. And he sits on the concrete slab on my patio with his feet over the rail. And you can talk to Dawn and he does not hear a word mm -hmm. you're saying. It's like Dawn, Dawn, Dawn. And eventually he'll go, what? Like he had just heard you. It's almost... This is like a zone. What is the word? Meditation. I feel really good. But I can't it And it's water. The water. The water. But it's a great, yeah, it's water water. a great way to, to knock out noise. Waterfalls. He's like, that's what we have once on patio here. It's relaxing. It helps you to, just that sound is soothing, fish tanks, things yeah. like that. You're in the yeah. water. That's true. It can help you to calm down and to, you've got, it just takes practice. And it can also teach you to reel in chaos. Mm -hmm. See, that's what me and Mark were talking about, is that I had, all of that had been so peaceful, and all of a sudden, the other night, remember we had those terrible thunderstorms? Mm -hmm. Well, unbeknownst to me, even with Don saying, oh, you wait, till you see this creek whenever it rains. I said, what? I woke up in the middle of the night hearing this roar, and I thought, oh my god, it's a freaking tornado. Mm -hmm. So I jumped up, and I went to my sliding glass doors, and I looked, and it was raging. Chaos. It was like complete chaos. But by the next morning, guess what? It was all gone, and the little waterfalls were doing their thing again. I am not So I learned a huge, valuable lesson at 58 freaking years old. That everybody's going to have chaos in their life, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. Period, at all whatsoever. That there's nothing you can do. It's just going to happen. But it's how you deal with it, and that you return yourself to balance. Because if you don't, you mean like I'll be crazy people I heard talking about Isn't the word out of kilter? Your, your life ends up doing this, and you're constantly out of kilter, and you're constantly poking here, or poking there, or blaming this, or, oh my God, I ought to do this when I should have done that. But if you have balance within yourself, you don't worry about those decisions. I'll be honest with you, usually by now, if I would have thought about myself being on my own, they would have already booted me out of that apartment. I don't do money, honey. That is just something I do not do. 
I can, if it's a direct something, I'm good. But if you start talking about rent and uh, an electric, and oh, don't forget the deposits, because mm -hmm. you've got to do that. Mm -hmm. That's just not me. But since I've been over there alone for the first time, because I'm not, I'm a people person. I have to have just yeah. chaos going on all the time. Input. Okay. Now I'm learning to be at peace. <clears throat> I think Mark found that kind of mm -hmm. fascinating. It was like, really? <laughs> you? He's known me for so long. He knows I, I, I just welter in that chaos I always have because that's with my comfort zone. And now all of a sudden, it's not. I don't like it. What, what is it? I don't live for the drama and I hate the bullshit. Mm -hmm. I just, whereas before, I lived for it. Yeah. Right? And, and now I don't. don't. I just don't. And it was me, like, that's my way of dealing with family. Like, well, that's already crazy. Play, we go play the, 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 uh, the intermission thing for y'all again. This is why. Gavin Myers. Why? You've been here for seven years. What? what I do? Come on. Yes, sir. I'm going to move him in the cube. Why do I say well, why do we say these things during the during the announcements during the during the damn mission? You hear the thing going off, right? What does it say? It says get your ass inside. And it's also says something else about what something else. Um, just, just a reminder. No food or drink are allowed in the sanctuary. Oh. If you have any food or drink, gum or candle, please please dispose of it Whoops. properly. It wasn't your fault. You didn't know. He knows. <laughs> yeah, they're not harmless. I'm not going to put You can eat it after <laughs> service, Gavin. <laughs> You've never gone hungry in this house. True, true. That's why, because it's a good disruption. It's a disruption. Uh, Hear me? That's why. Uh, okay, listen up. I like where this is going. I like where the sermons are going. Uh, I'm, glad we, I'm glad I got this going this year. Um, the movie. Y'all are your maze. Yeah, you really are. It's 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 going a direction. Look, when I do my movies, I, I don't necessarily have an idea of what I'm going to do. I start, I just start, mm -hmm. and I start editing. I start pulling. And you, I've seen guys. I'm pulling from thousands of hours of, of video footage. We're talking about seven years of video footage I have. I'm going to go and, and get to each one and go and figure out what I want to use of it. So I can use some of my memory, but I can't remember everything that was said at all of them, right? Yeah. So I have to go through and, and find what I want. It's there, and it's coming to me, and it's going to get there, and we're going to um, I'm going to... It's pretty phenomenal. Um, editing takes a whole lot of work. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. something that I admire, but I sure wouldn't want to do it. it, it you know, it, you see what I do. You see what we have for service, right? I, every every week I do the, the video for, for YouTube, right? Which is mm -hmm. our service from the week before. That takes a minimum of a day and a half, okay? Minimum. Plus, on top of that, I do... The pre-service video—that's another half a day, maybe three quarters of a day. Yeah. So right there, if you guys don't realize it's maybe an hour-long video, but that's what we do for service. That's easy. That's easy editing. But you do an hour-long movie of all these clips and all these things, and trying to have a direction for it and go where it's supposed to go, and use your interviews and pop those in there too. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. It's gonna be worth it. I think it is. I don't like the name. I don't like the name of it. I don't like the name of it. Come up with something else. Hmm. I called it. Oh. We were back in our four-year anniversary. Oh. We had we had something called four. You know? yeah. I thought it was appropriate for that because it was you know we mean four others, mean yeah. four of this, four of that, four of that. I called it seven this year. Attentively, I don't like it. No. Seven's a lucky number, but that's that's not where we're going there. So if you have any ideas, uh, okay. the, the the tagline on it. I'm just all I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. The tagline on it is right, um, right. rising from the ashes. Okay. So we need a name for it. Okay. Y'all think about it. Phoenix, zenith, or not? A phoenix is what rises from the That's true. Um, however, that is actually it, there is there are some biblical translations that that is in, and mm -hmm. some that aren't. But rising from the ashes is in there. It's talking about well, about coming up from the ashes. Yeah. The, the, the actual phoenix coming is actually a, a mythology. It's actually a mythological character. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, yeah, they, all, they all believe it or not, they all kind of intertwine every now and then. Yeah. You know, we talked about how the Christians came and took the pagan. Uh, 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 holidays made their own, right? So it happens. Okay. 
Thank you guys. I enjoyed today. Let's go ahead and pray our way out of here, and then I'll see you all next week. Uh, okay. I'm not the mac and cheese teacher. Mm-hmm. I wonder which, which one is he, mac or cheese? Mac. You give him the cheese. He said, I'm William. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we take this out today. Yeah. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for having all of us here, blessing us for uh, sharing each other's lives and memories. And understanding that tomorrow may be different, but you'll give us the light and the guidance to get there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, folks. Grab the top floor. Help break it down, please. I'm telling you.